Welcome to Over Enzymuth, a H.P. Lovecraft podcast where that will read a story that H.P. Lovecraft wrote in somewhat chronological order and re-release an audiobook if it isn't too boring or racist. My name is Jesse and with me today is someone who, uh, something something seaweed cities and dank pastures. Faith. Yeah, it's me. I'm from the dank pastures of Montana. Yeah, it's it's stink because of all the humidity. It's, actually, it's very not humid here. <laughs> oh, that's the oh, one sorry. good thing about living here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other the bad thing is is that the many hidden white supremacist oh, compounds. Oh god, and like a an upsetting amount of Mormons. Just too many fucking Mormons. You know what? I'm I don't want to come off as anti Mormons, but you know I think one Mormon is too many. <laughs> I do have to say, ex-Mormons, always fun people. Always really no, fun. Ex-Mormons are fun. Oh. I love ex-Mormons, but no, current Mormons, current Mormons fuck, fuck off. Them. Stop looking at me with your dead eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, there's... But I think this is going to be the last sea story we have, except for, no, one of the last ones we have. Shadow over Innsmouth, I think, will be our last one. Yeah, but we're going to be talking about the strange high house in the mist. And I hear on the ocean waves between the whispers of the elder ones. Hark! What is that? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Now, now, now I have to look up that speech. I need to learn that speech phonetically. Uh, you can get a t-shirt with all of that speech on it. I was trying to know, find the shirt that says those who are the saddest come the hardest. <laughs> okay uh i can totally picture our pat's like dumb face and black and white on it i could no i could see our patch wearing that shirt oh god he would he's a fucking gremlin and i love him it's the kind of energy i appreciate from someone just not showering eating nothing but nachos but no, it's hark, Triton, hark, bellow bid our father, the sea king, rise from the depths, full foul of his fury, black waves teeming with salt foam to smother his young, this young mouth with pungent slime, to choke ye, engorge your organs, turn ye blue and bloated with uh, bilge and brine, and can scream no more, only when he crowned in the in cockle shells with slithering tentacle tail and streaming beard take up his felled befinned arm his coral tine triton screeches banshee like into the tempest and plunges through your gullet bursting ye a bulging bladder no more, but a blasted bloody film now nothing for the harpies and the souls of dead sailors to peck and, and claw and feed upon, only to be lapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread emperor himself, forgotten to any man, 
<laughs> to any time, forgotten to uh, to any god, forgotten even to the sea for any stuff for parts, Winslow. Even any scantling of your soul is Winslow no more, but it is now itself the sea. <laughs> I feel like I, love I feel like just saying a good like fuck you <clears throat> would have sufficed. <laughs> And I love how I love how he like after that outburst he was just like okay oh, I like your cooking and then, yeah nice. and then he like sits down and there's like a couple beats of silence and then he's like okay yeah it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes uh, upon the waves I do <clears throat> doth hear the singing of the elder gods uh, there's they're like yo uh, there's a blurb about that story you're about to read. Which, oh, uh, really? Uh, thanks, actually. Whoa. That's really nice of y'all to let us know. Oh, <laughs> that, that is really nice. I, I just I just thought that someone I just thought someone was yelling at me because I said I didn't like their lobster. I thought you were. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, go fuck the fish people. And I would have been like, I'm trying. <laughs> Written on November 9th, 1926, this delicately poetical story revives the Dunsinian prose of Lovecraft's 1919-1921 to period. But here, Lovecraft has written a sensitive tale of self-discovery as the protagonist. Thomas Olney leaves his spirit in the strange high house in the mist, while his bodily shell returns to the prosiness of normal life. Kingsport is used as the setting of a story for the first time since The Festival, which was written in 1923. Lovecraft stated that the Titan Cliffs of Magnolia on the Massachusetts coast was a partial inspiration for the locale. The story was first published in Weird Tales of October 1931. A sensitive tale of self-discovery. Lovecraft was probably going through something his last couple. While his bodily shell returns to the prosiness of normal life. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <sighs> the high uh, house yeah. in the mist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess we're gonna start this, because this is gonna be the last short story read. I know there's for... a lot of really fucking long ones. The Strange High House in the Mist by H.P. Lovecraft. In the morning mist comes up from the sea by the cliffs beyond Kingsport. White and feathery it comes from the depths to its brothers, the clouds, full of dreams and dank pastures and caves of the Leviathan. <laughs> caves of the Leviathan is what they call your ball. <laughs> joke earlier that uh the dank pastures is what we call what we call your uh, girlfriend whatever you keep on ignoring her <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> i don't know why i keep on doing that to myself i feel like i go back to being like a 12 year old boy it's every once in so a while funny though. <laughs> classic <clears throat> it's a classic joke and later in still summer rains on the steep roofs of poets, the clouds scatter bits from those dreams that men shall not live without rumor of old, strange secret, and wonders that planet tells planets alone at night. When tale flies thick in the grottoes of tritons, in conches, in the seaweed cities, blown wild runes learn from the elder ones, 
and the great eager mists flock to the heavens, laden with lore and oceanward eyes on the rocks. See only mystic whiteness, as the cliff's rims were the rim of all earth, and the solemn bells of buoys toiled free in the ether of fairy. That's a real good set. That was just, you know, real that good. That was a solid paragraph. I see what they mean by bringing back his Dunsinian prose, but this is like a million <coughs> times better than how it was before. Yeah. It's, it's almost as if he's been writing it's, for several years. It's almost longer. like he's grown as a writer. Wow. Amazing. Now, north of the archaic Kingsport, the crags climb lofty in curious Terence on Terence. Till the northernmost hangs in the sky like a gray frozen wind cloud. Alone it is, a bleak point, jutting in limitless space. For there the coast turns sharp, where the, where the great Mesotonic pours out of the plains past Arkham, bringing woodland legends and quaint memories of New England hills. The sea folk in Kingsport look upon that cliff as other sea folk look up. At the pole star. In time, the night's watch by the way it hides or shoes or shoes the great bear Cassiopeia. And the dragon among them is one with the filaments, and truly it is hidden from them when the mist hides the stars or the sun. Some of the cliffs they love, as as that who grotesque profile they call Father Neptune, or that whose pillared step they turn the causeway. But this one they fear because it was so near the sky. The Portuguese sailors, uh, coming in from the voyage, cross themselves when they first see it. And the old Yankees believe that it would be much graver matter than death to climb it, if indeed that were possible. Nevertheless, there is an ancient house on that cliff. And at evening, men see lights. In the small paned windows. Ooh, spooky. What? I am liking this so far. Hark, doth a party happen up on that strange house? <laughs> that strange high house of the mist. <clears throat> what dank pastures do they travel? I'll show you some dank pastures. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 Get some my cards, and then we're gonna see some dick pastures. <laughs> G- give me five minutes. Me, me, her, dank pastures. <laughs> Just the Leviathan um, is what they call me when you leave me alone with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still just the receiving tube. The receiving tube thing. God damn. Oh, man. Okay. The ancient house had always been there, and people say one dwells, one is capitalized. Oh. I'm wondering if that's on purpose. <clears throat> and people say one dwells therein whose talk with the morning mists that come up from the deep. And perhaps sees the singular things oceanward at times whose cliffs rim become the rim of all earth and solemn buoys toll free in the white aether of fairy. This they say, this they tell from hearsay, for the forbidding crag is always unvisited and the natives dislike to train telescopes on it. Summer boarders had indeed scanned it with jaunty binoculars. But never seen more than the gray primeval roof p- 
peaked and shingled, whose eaves come nearly to the gray foundations, in the dim yellow light of the little window peeping out under those eaves in the dusk. These summer people do not believe that the same one had lived in the ancient house for hundreds of years, but cannot prove their hearsay to any real Kingsporter. Even the terrible old man who walks to un- even the terrible old man who talks to leaden pendulums and bottles, buys groceries with centuried Spanish gold, and keeps stone idols in the yard of his antediluvian cottage in Water Street, can only say these things were the same when his grandfather was a boy, and that and that must be inconceivable ages ago when Belcher or Shirley or Pownall or Bernard was the governor of His Majesty's Providence of Massachusetts Bay. That's really interesting. So, the terrible old man, they never said where it was? I don't... I thought, no, I thought they said it was in King, Kingsport. Oh, did they? I thought they said, because they... I thought that was the first time they mentioned Kingsport. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe you're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is the first time they mentioned Kingsport. Oh, well, that gives yeah. us some uh, some idea of how old this is. If even the oh. uh, definitely not immortal, terrible old man uh, is like, yeah, that shit's old. Yeah. Like, I'm old, but that shit's Also, who takes, who takes gold as payment? <laughs> right. Like, if that, takes, that takes some time to, like, even, move around. Even in, like, the 1920s. Yeah. Like, you still would have to convert it into some sort of fiat currency. <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody paying me in gold coins. <laughs> I have to be like, sir, please. I'll take quarters. I don't care. Give me pennies. That's going to be worth more to me. <laughs> please. <laughs> then one summer, there came a philosopher to Kingsport. His name was Thomas Oni, and he taught ponderous things in a cottage by fuck off this name. <laughs> um... <laughs> Nargat Nargansett. 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 Okay. And he taught ponderous things in a cottage by Nargasset Bay. With stout wife and stomping children he came, and his eyes were weary with seeing the same things for many years, and thinking the same well disciplined thoughts. He looked at the mist from the diadem of Father Neptune, and tried to walk in their white world of mystery along with the titan steps of the causeway. Morning after morning, he would lie on the cliffs and look over the world's rim at the cryptical ether beyond, listening to spectral bells and wild cries of what might have been gulls. Then, when the mists would lift, the sea would stand out, prosy with the smoke of steamers, where he loved to tread the narrow olden lanes up and downhill, and study the crazy, tottering gables and odd-pillared doorways, which sheltered to so many generations of sturdy sea folk. And, and he, even talked, he even talked with the terrible old man, who was not fond of strangers, and was invited into his fearsome, archaic cottage where, in wormy paneling, hear the echoes of disquieting soliloquies in the dark small hours. I I think I'm okay with this dude so far. Yeah, he sounds cool. He sounds pretty good. Um I'm uh Yeah, I only know how to pronounce Narragansett because I've been there. <laughs> he 
he is somehow respectful of the locals. Maybe that's why I like him. Oh, wow. That- <laughs> Amazing. Also, I still don't think we have gotten a single story since we pointed out that he points out the gabled roofs. Uh, that we haven't point- pointed out the gable roofs at least once. I know, we finally got a different... We got the, uh... um. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Primeval roof. We got a slightly different roof. But but we still got a gabled roof, oh, though. Oh, we did. Damn it! Gambrel and gables. He likes those. Yeah, tottering gables. Oh, there we go. Well, damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yep. He's, he's really about those. <laughs> he's so about those roofs. <laughs> of course, it was inevitable that Oni would mark the gray and visit cottage in the sky on that sinister northward crag. Which is one with the mists and the firmament. Always over Kingsport, it hung. And always, its mystery sounded whispers through Kingsport's crooked alleys. The terrible old man wheezed a tale that his father told him of lightning that shot one night up from that peak cavern in the sky of higher heavens. And Granny Orne, whose tiny gabbled roofed abode on Ship Street is covered with moss, and Ivy croaked something her grandma once heard, had heard at second hand about shapes that flapped of the eastern mist straight to the narrow single door that croaked something over her, croaked over something her grandma had heard at second hand about shapes that flapped out of the eastern mist straight into the narrow single door of that unreachable place for the door is set to the edge of the crag towards the ocean and glimpsed only from the seas at and glimpsed only from ships at sea at length being avid for new strange things and held back neither by king's borders fear nor the summer borders usual indolence only made a very terrible resolve Despite a conservative training, or because of it, for humdrum lives, breeding wistful longings of the unknown, he swore a great oath to scale that avoided northern cliff and visit the abnormally antique gray cottage in the sky. Very plausibly, his saner self argued that the place must be tenanted by people who reached it from inlands along the easier ridge. The Eger Ridge, beside the Mesotonic's estuary. Probably they traded in Arkham, knowing how little Kingsport's like their habitation, or perhaps being unable to climb down the cliff on the Kingsport's side. Oni walked along the lesser cliffs, where the great crag leapt insolently up to consort with celestial things, and became very sure that no human feet could mount it or descend on it that beetling southern slope. East and north, ro- east and north, it rose thousands of feet vertically from the water. Only the western side, inland, towards Arkham, remained. I wonder if he's the only person who thought about that, because that would be my first thought. Like, well, if I can't see how to do it this way, I'll go to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> what if I just went around it and everybody's like, "Oh my, what? <laughs> no, you can Shut do the that. Fuck up. That's illegal. <laughs> we ought to. We ought to." I'm gonna throw you in the jail now. I think that, <laughs> I think you No. So he's like I looked at the laws, it's not against the law. It's like what 
why the fuck has nobody else ever done it? One morning in August, Oni set out to find a path to the inacceptable pinnacle. He worked northward along the pleasant back roads, past Hooper Pond and the old brick powder house to where the pastures slope up in the ridge beyond, above the Mesotonic, and gave a lovely vista of Arkham's white Georgian steeples across leagues of river and meadow. Here he found a shady road to Arkham, but no trail, but no trail at all to that seaward direction he wished. Woods and fields crowded up to the high bank of the river's mouth, and bore not a sign of man's presence, not even a stone wall or straying cow, but only the tall grass and giant trees and tangles of briars that the first Indian might have seen. As he climbed slowly east, higher and higher across the estuary, on his left and nearer and nearer towards the sea, he found the way growing in difficulty, till he wondered how ever the dwellers in that disliked place managed to reach the world outside, and rather they came often to the market in Arkham. The trees thinned, and far below him on the right side he saw hills and antique roofs and spires of Kingsport. Even Central Hill was a dwarf from this height, and he could just make out the ancient graveyard by the Congressional Hospital, beneath which rumored some terrible caves or burrows lurked. Ahead lay sparse grass and scrub blueberry bushes, and beyond them the naked rocks of the crag and the thin peak of the dreaded gray cottage. And now the rage narrowed, and Oni grew dizzy at his loneliness in the sky. South of him, the frightful precipice above Kingsport. North of him, the vertical drop of nearly a mile to the river's mouth. Suddenly a great chasm opened before him. Ten feet deep, so he had to let himself down by his hands and dropping to a slanting floor, then crawl seriously up a natural defile in the opposite wall. So this was the way that the folks of the uncanny house journeyed betwixt earth and sky. When he climbed out of the chasm, a morning mist was gathering, but he clearly saw the lofty and unhallowed cottage ahead, walls as gray as the rock and high peaks standing bold against the milky white of seaward vapors, and he perceived that there was no door on this landward end, but only a couple of small lattice windows with dingy bullseye panes, leaded in the 17th century fashion. All around him was cloud and chaos, and he could see nothing below but the whiteness of illimitable space. He was alone in the sky with this queer and very disturbing house, and when he sidled around the front and saw the wall stood flush with the cliff's edge so that the single narrow door was not to be reached, save from the empty ether, he felt a distinct terror that this altitude could not wholly be explained. And it was very odd that the shingle so warm-eaten could survive, or brick so crumbled, could still form a standing chimney. I, this feels like a fucking fairy tale. It really does. And I love it's it. Very it just feels like. Yes, I know. I'm very, I'm very about this. I, uh. It's, oh, it's like the last one that was beautifully written, but far less depressing. 
it's a lovely read so far. I also like learning more of the geography of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, me too. It's uh, it's 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 nice. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, we know that there's this weird place that basically you go when you want to die above the world. Yeah. <laughs> so we know, like in Kingsport, there is a church at the top of a hill. Underneath of it is some spooky tunnels. We know that the terrible old man lives somewhere there. Uh, and we know that there is to the south a like weird uh, um, cliff with a spooky house on top of it. And further south is uh, Arkham. Yeah. And we know not too far away from Arkham, but a distant, uh, but a, a certain way. That's where um, that's where uh, Color Out of Space happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's like I'm guessing in the meadows between uh, uh, Arkham and Kingsport. We also know that the uh, picture in the house takes place not too far away from Arkham. Yeah. See, I feel like it wouldn't be hard to do, like, kind of tie some of these shorter stories together and like kind of like an anthology or like even a series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you could just make make all of them like Randolph Carter. Or, yeah. No, I. you could do Dexter. You can also do Dexter Ward. Do like, um, do like Castle Rock, except it's every episode is a different story. But they all take place in the same general area. Yeah, it could be Lovecraft Country. Yeah, and they can, they can just kind of be going around and just make them just make the main character, you know, a, a char- an actual character. Yeah, really, is th- you're kind of just they're kind of just narrators basically most of the time. Yeah, like well, the person, the hero, I get the protagonist is basically just the audience, uh, not mouthpiece, point of view. Yeah, POV. And that's POV, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I like this. It's it's weird. Like, you know, there's this weird place that everyone feels is weird, and then you finally get to it. But you're just like, how the fuck does this work? I thought I knew. Yeah, I thought that like before I could see the steeples and like the general layout of Kingsport. Now I'm up here, I can't see I can see fuck all. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I thought I understood like how they would have gone to the market to like if they went to Arkham, because I don't see him trying to drop 600 feet down into Kingsport. Oh, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into Elder God stuff. Oh, sweet. Okay. I was gonna say, oh. it'd be really funny if, like, that was the secret, was they actually just climb down the cliff and go to the market every day. But nobody notices. I mean, it could, <laughs> it could be that the door, they, that there's actually a door on the uh, on that place that you think is actually the back of the house. It's just really well hidden. There you go. They have an elevator. There's a secret elevator. Yeah. Nobody's noticed it's just a tunnel. for some reason. There's a tunnel. There's a tunnel. It's, you know. As Miss Thickens only crept around to the windows on the north and west and south sides, trying, but finding them all locked in. He was vaguely glad they were locked, because the more he saw of the house, the less he wished to get in. You know, you can just climb back <laughs> down, dude. It's, it's a lot easier. Like... <laughs> I like everybody's like, yeah, there's this fucking spooky house that's up on that cliff. Uh, we can't get up there. We don't want to go around and go there because it's really fucking spooky. He gets there. He's like, hmm, neat house. Oh, never mind. It's too spooky. Like, But I mean, at least this wasn't like a, in defiance of the people. Yeah, it, like the people just like it's spooky. But like they, they just found it to be spooky. Yeah, it wasn't this is like, out a, of, like you know, genuine curiosity. It's not out of yeah, like this- those locals are like uh, uh, the nameless city. <laughs> Yeah, this. It's not like, like those locals are stupid and silly. 
hey, what's this picture of this guy that looks suspiciously like me getting eaten by lizard people? <laughs> <laughs> little do little did you know that was actually the portal to uh to uh to uh Florida Loki's uh, domain or <laughs> Where all the Florida lo- all Jotuns in that world are actually crocodiles. Like all the Asgardians are crocodiles, and like the the humans are cats and all I that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone someone drew a, like a picture of that scene where Odin tells oh I uh, saw Loki that. he's adopted. I just love it. Be like between <laughs> alligator noises. <laughs> <laughs> And also, they know what they were doing when they made an alligator Loki. I want a plush of that. Give me. I know. That's like when uh, <laughs> I have friend that like when uh, Porgs were introduced in Star Wars, they're like, oh, they're just a marketing play. And I was like, yeah, they are. I know. And it's working. I love I them. I want them. <laughs> like, they, they do this with all their shows. I, I don't care that it's a marketing ploy. It's a good one, and I want one. That's like I was thinking about Baby Yoda's design the other day, and I was like, it's fucking, it's perfect. It's like, like it, it is maximum cuteness. Like, they workshop that thing to perfection. Also, I like how people, how, how like, how, how someone picks up, how someone picks up florida loki like oh, the yeah. alligator loki yeah. like to move around like they just pick up like a big baby i, know. <laughs> like, I love <laughs> all the pictures of kid loki holding alligator loki just oh kill me i love it oh my god i love it so much oh, it's, it's so just, cute but yeah just give me i know it's a marketing ploy i know it is that doesn't mean that it doesn't work on me <laughs> <laughs> you are not a, you're not immune to propaganda. I listen. I know, like when I have irrational thoughts, I know that they're rational. That doesn't mean that they don't still work on me. <laughs> <laughs> now that being said, now I have to look if they have plushies because they had they to have, have dropped that. A, they actually, as much as like Funko Pop, like irks me. They have a. Uh, they, it's a real cute one. Yeah, it's really cute. It's like uh, a lot of the Pokemon Funko Pops are also really cute. <laughs> And I'm so mad about it. They had a oh, gelatinous shoot. cube Funko Pop that is also excellent. <laughs> it's perfect. I got it because I was like, okay. You've- okay, I just looked up. I was just looking up the alligator Loki plush. And apparently the alligator, the, the, the alligator actor had like a, had a, like a stuffed animal sand in. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <sighs> uh, oh my God, just. Just give me, just give me, I need it <laughs> in my life. I want a life-size alligator Loki. I want it. Give it to me. I guess I do have a, like a, not a Croconana, but I have an alligator plush. I should just, I'll get it a little helmet. It will be perfect. You still smell good? Yes. Uh, but yeah, that Funko Pop of Gator Loki looks so cute. How dare you, Funko Pop. I have to say, I have been to the Funko to the Funko Pop uh, headquarters in uh, Washington. Uh, it's actually really fun there, <laughs> but they also have they also have more than Funko Pop. <laughs> I'll get a little helmet for my gear plushie. I already have. It'll be perfect. I just want I just want them to support them doing stuff like that so they can have more of my money. <laughs> then a sound halted him. He heard a lock rattle and a bolt shoot. 
and a long creaking follow as if a heavy door was slowly and cautiously opened. It was on the oceanward side that he could not see, where the narrow portal opened on blank space thousands of feet in the misty sky above the waves. Then there was a heavy, deliberate tramping in the cottage, and Oni heard the windows opening. On the first, first on the north side opposite to him, then on the west just around the corner, next would come south windows under the great low eaves on the side that he stood, and it must be said that he was more than uncomfortable than he thought of the detestable house on one side and the vacancy as the upper air on the other. See, what I would do <laughs> is I would run, I would just try to run to the area where I wasn't hearing the noise and just see if I could wait it up. <laughs> All right. I'd make it into like a Biddy Hill sketch. <laughs> I like it. Or just like pretend that you didn't hear it. Or just lay down. <laughs> no, lay down. Just lay down. I have a nap. Okay, sorry. That was more funny than I thought it would be. <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> the door opens. You're like, well, look at the time. I'm just going to go into that area where it'd be hard to see me. <laughs> stand, <laughs> bother this just, old man for a little bit. Just stand in the blind spot of this house. <laughs> then a fumbling came in the nearer casements where he crept around the west again. Flattening himself against the wall. Wait, uh, nope, he did what I thought he would do. Um, <laughs> he did what I would have done, hide in the blind spot. <laughs> when a fumbling came to the near casements, he crept around to the west again, flattening himself against the wall, and the now open window was plain that the owner had come home, and if he did not come from the land, nor from any balloon or airship that could be imagined, steps sounded again. And Oni edged around to the north, but before he could find a haven, a voice called softly, and he knew he must confront his host. Sorry, I need to reread that. (laughs) (laughs) And he knew he must confront his host. Okay, this turned spooky to Rick really funny to me. (laughs) This is some old man who's like, get the fuck off my lawn. Are you my grandchildren? Do you want some ribbon candy? Also, how do you know there's not like a how do you know there's not like a ladder? Hey kids, do you wanna listen to some hall and oats? There could be a ladder. Yeah, there could be. You don't fucking know. You weren't paying attention. The old man could have just like <laughs> followed you there, actually. It, but like he's old, so he just didn't notice. Well he's gonna be talking about the elder ones soon. Oh so, god, I mean. yeah. Stuck out of a west window was a great black bearded face, whose eyes shone phosphorescently. With the imprint of unheard of sights, and the voice was gentle and of a quaint olden kind, so that Oni did not shudder when a brown hand reached out to help him over this seal and into the low room of black oak wainscots and carved Tudor furnishing. The band was clad in very ancient garments and had about him a unplaceable nimbus of sea lore and dreams of tall galleons. Oni did not recall many of the wonders he told, or even who he was, but says that he was strange and kindly and filled with the magic of unfathomable voids of time and space. The small room seemed green with dim, aqueous light, and Oni saw, saw that the fall window 
to the east was not open, but shut against the misty ether with thick, dull planes like bottoms of old bottles. The bearded host seemed young, but looked out of eyes steeped with the elder mysteries, and from tales of marvelous ancient beings, he related. It must have it must be guessed that the village folk were right in saying that he that he communed with the mists of the sea and the clouds of the sky ever since there was any village to watch his taciturn dwelling from the plains below. And the day wore on and still only listened to rumors of old times and far places, and how the king of Atlantis fought with the slippery blasphemies that wiggled out of the rifts in the ocean's floor. And the weedy temple of Poseidonus still glimpsed at midnight by lost ships, who know by its sight that they are lost. Years of the Titans were recalled, but the host grew timid when he spoke of the dim first age of chaos. Before the gods, even the elder ones were born, and when only the other gods came to and dance on the peak of Hothig Claw to the stony desert and Uthar and beyond the river sky. Oh, what? This is the. F- Did he climb into the dreamlands? I think this what? is the first time he. Uh, the dreamlands and the uh, Cthulhu mythos has been linked together. <sighs> yeah. So this dude's been everywhere. I like also that he's just like he just like brought him in his house. It's like, why well, hear about some shit? I hope he got some like thousand year old wine. You know that real potent shit. <laughs> yeah. You want you want to drink this? It's uh uh. 700 bce is that even so good yeah so i'm drinking it <laughs> it's it's basically a syrup i have to add water to it now you want to <laughs> you want to hear about some shit i've seen yeah there was like a big octopus once that sure was that sure was a thing there's this there's this weird tubby one with wings and octopus head. yeah yeah he was a nerd whatever yeah <laughs> everyone just told him to go to bed and then he did <laughs> what a mad lad <laughs> was at this point there came a knocking on the door the ancient door of nail studded oak beyond which lay only the abyss of white cloud oni started in fright but the bearded man motioned him to be still and tiptoed to the door and looked out through a small peephole there he saw what he did not like so pressed his fingers to his lips and tiptoed around to shut and lock all the windows before returning to the ancient settle beside his guest. <laughs> he was, there, was a, there was a Jehovah Witness trying to you know. <laughs> Mormon. <laughs> I was actually imagining the terrible old man showing up. He's like, he always fucking comes around here. He's awful. I don't want to see what's in your jar today. I don't want to know. Fuck off, you racist. <laughs> also, I don't know what Poland is. Why are you talking about Poland? Why are you so telling much? me that the people from there are not actually people? I don't want to know. <laughs> he keeps Italy. What is Italy? Why do you keep on telling me these things? He keeps showing up. He keeps yelling some <laughs> racist shit about countries I don't even know about. They didn't exist when I was around. <laughs> <laughs> So I just lock the door. Every, I pretend like I pretend like I'm taking a nap. So he leaves. Also, I like that. Like he's just like, okay, time to close the window. He <laughs> <laughs> really does. It's like a school lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, pull the curtains down, lock the door. That should uh, that'll do it. <laughs> then Oni saw 
lingering against the translucent squares of each of the little dim windows, in succession, a queer black outline as the caller moved inquisitively about before leaving, and he was glad his host did not answer the knocking, for there were strange objects in the great abyss, and the seeker of dreams must take care not to stir up or meet the wrong ones. It's just the old man looking through, he's like, hey, hey, you want to hear about how to Spanish? You want to hear about those Spaniards? Yeah, they're like, uh... They're like us, but a little bit more brown. Uh, like, yeah, and I hate that. They are. Uh, they're not white. <laughs> He's like, the guy is like, I don't know what white is. What is that? Can you tell me? You want to hear about the Polish? Come on, man. You always do this to me. <laughs> Take that as a lesson, kids. Uh, When a racist shows up at your house, just lock all your doors. <laughs> then the shadows begin to gather. First, the little furtive ones under the table and then bolder ones in the dark, paneled corners. And the bearded man made enigmatic gestures of prayer, and lit tall candles in curiously wrought brass candlesticks. Frequently, he would glance at the door as if he expected someone, and at length he glanced, and at length his glance seemed to be answered by a single, by a singular rapping which must followed some very ancient and secret code. This time, he did not even glance through the peephole, but swung the great oak bar and shot the bolt, unlatching the heavy door and fling it wide open to the stars and mist. And then, to the sound of obscure harmonies, where there floated into the room from the deep of all dreams and memories of earth's sunken mighty ones and golden flames played about reedy locks that Oni was dazzled as he did them homage. Triton-bearing Neptune was there, in support of Triton, in fantastic nereids upon, upon Dolphin's back, was balanced a vast crinulent shell wherein rode the gray and awful form of Primal Notans, the lord of the great abyss, and the conches of the Tritons gave weird blasts, and the nereids made strange sounds by striking on the grotesque resident shells of unknown lurkers in, in black sea caves. Then the hoary Norns reached forth a wizened hand and helped Oni and his host onto the vast shell, whereat the conches and the gongs set up a wild and awesome clamor, and out into the limitless ether reeled that fabulous train, the noise of whose shouting was lost. In the echoes of thunder. Hey, kid, you want to go to the liquor store with me? <laughs> no, it showed up. Uh, he said he would drive me there. <laughs> I want this to be the setup of a like a of a tabletop RPG. Yes, like, I was thinking that too. <laughs> this sounds like the setup for one. Like yeah. real, real good setup for it. He's, yeah, like the the whole intro would be them like. Uh, going to Kingsport, going up the hill, uh, getting to the house. This shit happens. And then and it's a completely different adventures. thing. Yeah. yeah. So really, I think my favorite <laughs> openings are telling the settings that they're going to be in when they begin the team begin the game, and they just mm -hmm. change it about midway through the first session to be completely different. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you're going to the city. Here's the lore. Here's the general. Now, yeah, you don't need to. You're in a different dimension now. That doesn't matter. Um, just kidding. Oh Fuck wait, you. did I? <laughs> I don't know if that's. Did like, I say that you were going to be in a city? Just kidding. You were in oh, the. Oh, did ocean. Of you make a good ocean build? Oop. Well, I guess you should have. Uh, I don't know. Does, do any of you have a? Well, you know, I would never. I would never put you guys in a situation where you couldn't exist. Like, you know. Yeah. You would still, like, you know, you get, like, permanent water breathing or something like that. But yeah. You still suck at swimming, though. But, yeah. You know. Um, now. <clears throat> you could at least yeah. doggy pound. So, all night in Kingsport, they watched that lofty cliff when the storm and the mist gave them glimpses of it. Then, towards the small hours and the little dim windows went dark, they whispered of dread and disaster. And Oni's children and stout wife prayed to the bland proper god of Baptists, and hoped that the traveler would borrow an umbrella and rubbers, unless the rain stopped at the morning, uh, by morning. Then dawn swam dripping and mist wreathed out of the sea, and the buoys told Selim in the vortices of the white ether, and in noon elfin horns rung over the sea, as Oni dry and lightfoot climbed down from the cliffs to antique kingsport with the look of far places in his eyes he could not recall what he had dreamed in the sky perch hut of the still nameless hermit or say how he crept down the crag untraversed by the feet nor could he talk of these matters at all save with the terrible man who afterwards mumbled queer things through his long white beard vowing that the man who came down from that crag was not wholly the man who went up and somewhere under the gray peak roof or amidst the inconceivable perches of that sinister white mist that lingered still the lost spirit of him who was thomas only and ever since that hour through dull dragging years of grayness and weariness the philosopher had labored and and slept and done non-complainingly the suitable deeds of a citizen not any more does he long for the magic of further heels or, or sighs for secrets that peers like green reefs from a bottomless ocean. The sameness of his days no longer gave him sorrow, and the well-disciplined thoughts had grown enough for his imagination. His good wife waxes stouter, and his children older and prosier and more useful, and he never fails to smile correctly with pride when the occasion calls for it. In his glance, there was not any restless night, and if he ever listened to the solemn bells or far elfin horns, it was only at night when old dreams were wandering. He has never seen Kingsport again, for his family disliked the funny old houses and complained that the drains were impossibly bad. They have a trim bungalow now in Bristol Highland, where no tall crags tower, and the neighbors were urban and modern. But in Kingsport, strange tales were abroad, and even the terrible old man, amidst a thing untold by his grandfather. For now, when the wind sweeps blisterous out from the north past the high ancient house that is one with the firmament, there is broken at last the ominous brooding silence before the bane of Kingsport's maritime cotter, and the old folk tell of pleasing voices heard singing there and laughter that, that swells with joy beyond earth's joy, and say that at evening little low windows were brighter than formerly. 
They say, too, that the fierce aurora that comes often from that spot, shining blue in the north, with visions of frozen worlds, while the crag and the cottage hang black and fantastic against the wild horsations, and the mists of dawn are thicker, and the sailors are not quite so sure that the muffled seaward ringing is that of solemn buoys. Worst of all is the shriveling of the old fears of the hearts of Kingsport's young men, who grow prone to listen at night to the north wind's faint distant sound. They swear no harm or pain can inhibit the high peak, that high peak cottage, for in new voices gladness beats, and with them the trinkle of laughter and music. What tales the sea mists may bring to that haunted and northernmost pinnacle, they do not know, but they long extract some hints of the wonders that knock at the cliff-yawning door when clouds are thickest, and patriarchs dread, lest some day, one by one, they seek out that inaccessible peak by the sky and learn what century secrets hide beneath this steep-shingled roof which is part of the rocks and the stars and the ancient fears of Kingsport, that those venturesome youths will come back, they do no doubt, but they think the light might be gone from their eyes and a will from their hearts, and they do not wish quaint Kingsports with, climbing, with its climbing lanes and archaic gables to drag listless down the years while voices, while voice by voice the laughing chorus grows stronger and wilder in unknown and terrible airy in that unknown and terrible airy where mists and dreams stop to rest on their way from the sea to the skies i'll wait till the end of this but i have a suspicion they might just spell it out at the end but i have a suspicion <laughs> me too <clears throat> i think we're thinking they do the not same wish thing. the souls of their young men to leave the pleasant hearths or the Gabriel Roof Taverns of Old Kingsport, nor do they wish the laughter and song in that high rocky place to grow louder. For the voice which had come had brought fresh mists from the sea, from the north fresh lights, so they do say still that other voices bring more mists and light, till perhaps the olden gods, whose existence they hint only in whispers, for fear that the congregational parson shall hear may come out of the deep and from unknown Kadoth in the cold wastes and make their dwelling on that evilly appropriate crag so close to the gentle hills and valleys of quiet, simple fisher folk. They do not wish for to plain people things not of this earth are unwelcome, and besides, the terrible man often recalls what Oni said about a knock that the lone dweller feared, and a shape seen black and inquisitive against the mists through those queer translucent windows of leaded bullseye. All the things, however, the older ones, may only decide. And meanwhile the morning mists still come up, that lonely, forgitous peak with steep ancient house, that grey low eaves house, where none is seen, but where evening brings furtive lights while the north wind tells of strange revels, white and feathery, it comes from the deep to its brothers, a cloud full of dreams and dank pastures and caves of the Leviathan, 
And wind tails fly thick in the grottos of tritons, and conscious, and conscious in the seaweed cities below. Wild tunes learn from the elder ones, and great eager vapor flocks to heavens laden with lore, and kingsports nestled uneasily on its lesser cliffs below that awesome hanging sentinel rock sees oceanward only a mystical whiteness as if the cliff's rims were the rim of all earth and solemn the bells of the buoys told free in the ether of fairy that was a good story that was good i like that he brought back the first paragraph for the, um, um well uh so i think that house is a portal to the dreamlands yeah, or um, just a sort of um, where it's thin between all the worlds. That includes the dreamlands. Uh, they talked about uh, like some sea stuff. Uh. Yeah, but yeah, definitely some kind of like where the veil is well, thin. So the reason speak. why I'm saying that I think it's a portal to the dreamlands is, as we'll learn in maybe Dreamlands of Unknown Kandoth. But also a uh, later one through the Silver Gates, I want to say. Hmm? Oh, through the Gates of the Silver Key. Um, okay. There is certain places in on Earth and on um, in the Dreamlands, there's a portal where you don't need a key to go oh, through. And I think, what's, okay. I think what's happened is the reason why there's so much laughter and joy and stuff in that, that area is because the dreaming self is locked basically in the house to go like to the okay. dreamlands while the waking All body right. is just kind of sent back which is why they don't have any uh, light in their eyes anymore the okay yeah they don't take joy and stuff because the part that you know has joy yeah or it's a pretty hollow like they're just going through the motions basically that's okay, what I think. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the yeah. older and I think that the 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 older people, they know that it is that, but they can't say. Okay. Yeah, cuz then everybody would just yeah, fucking go because, there. Yeah. And I think that's why they don't want their kids, their kids to go up there because their kids would be lost in the dreamland basically. Yeah. That's what I'm suspecting. I might be completely wrong, but that's what it feels like. No. Because No, that definitely yeah, sounds right. Cuz you can get lost because you can like, someone from the Dreamlands can get lost in the world of the waking, but but someone in the world of the waking can get lost in the Dreamlands. Yeah. It's- so, and then, so the guy that probably lives there, like, his whole job is probably just to protect that. Yeah. Because um, it sounds like it might be a two-way yeah, thing. Which is why, which is why I think uh, they mentioned that it is this, uh, the, the myths carry, like, the dreams and war and everything. Yeah. I think it's basically, like, just this thin spot between the dreamlands and the uh the waking world and you you don't want certain people in the dreamlands you don't want them to escape yeah you don't want certain things to come through and that's why you kept locking the door and stuff and then waited for code so that's yeah. what i think anyway um but yeah i think that was a good story it was written very much yeah. like a fairy tale like till the end yeah, it was really fun. I liked it. I also liked how it kind of tied in, like, the terrible old man and the elder gods and that kind of stuff. Dreamlands all together. Also, I really like it. All- I like his, I like his, uh, his dunk on, the dunk on the Baptist be like, they're insuitable. 
<laughs> They're boring god. Yeah. Ugh. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we are, um, we're past, uh, this would be our 51st Oh my story. gosh. Yeah. I know. Wild. So. And we got, we got the big one we got, next. We, we got, got the big dream. We got the big dreamlands one. But first, we got some, uh. Got some lighthouse shenanigans. Oh, yeah, this was actually a really good one to follow the lighthouse up with. Yeah, because <laughs> they did mention uh, um, Neptune and there were Tritons. And oh, all we that should probably stuff. do HP Lustcraft. So let's do that. Yes, let's do it. The glass grow. Okay, I think this was a pretty good one. Um, I will say I wanted. I wish the transition between whatever happened to the dude in the last couple of pages was a little bit more smoother. I will say that. Yeah, like, there was just, like, a paragraph or two more. That yeah, would just, be like, nice. a little bit more. Also, Stout Wife, it sounds it sounds like he's trying to make that into, like, a insult. Did you, did you get that? Yeah, I kind of did, because, like, he's like, yeah, that his wife got, like, wider. It's like, Fuck off, HP. When I think stout At wife, this point, I mean you don't even have a wife. Stout. <laughs> when I think stout wife, I think someone who can pick me up. When I think stout wife, I think of uh, his face all covered in red by Emily Carroll, because that's how uh, uh, the main character describes his brother's wife that he really wants to get with. She's stout. She's and she's stout, plump, and has rosy cheeks. And he's like really into that her. That does sound like a very <laughs> pleasant woman. She does. She really um, does. So yeah, where where would you put this? I feel like this is. I mean, it's up there. Yeah. Um, like what would you say? What a picture of the house, Pikmin's uh, bottle below that maybe Quest of Iron on uh, the Hound. No, I think I'd put it a little bit lower. I think I'd maybe put it around the outsider. Okay, our little Gabo boy. Yeah, we do miss him. I mean, I think it's better than the elder god. I mean, the other god. The outsider has it better or worse? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to ignore the fondness for our favorite Gabo boy, but uh, I will I say know. I do find a little bit of a flaw. I feel like I need like one more paragraph. Yeah, I put it below. Yeah, the let's outsider. put it below the outsider. That sounds just because the outsider like had really good pacing. It was nice and spooky. It was exactly as long as it needed yeah, to be. Yeah. I like how it tied stuff together because it like up until this point, I feel like Dreamlands and uh, Elder God stuff has kind of been a little bit separate well, so far. Also, another thing, though, is like the Cthulhu mythos is tied into the Dreamlands. Like it. Yeah, it, it they is. are. Uh, it's just the Dreamland stuff tends to be a little bit more fluffy. Um, yeah. But like, um, but the gods, but the gods of the Dreamlands come over. Yeah, and like Nyarlathotep's job, part of his job is to yeah. look after them. So like, and when they, and when they mean the sleeping gods, it's not because they're the, it's because they're from the dreamland. Like there's the wake, yeah. there's the waking, there's like the waking people, which are the people not in the dreamlands, and then then there's people in the dreamlands and people, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah, but it's uh yeah, I'm looking forward to the Dreamcast of Unknown Gaddaf. Um, yes, more Dreamland stuff. And we Woo! will find out how we're going to be dealing with that. But uh, but besides that, I think we're pretty much done. What do you have to plug? Uh, you should go check out my YouTube channel. It's called Mixpooky Sweaters. Just YouTube.com/slash Mixpooky Sweaters. 
Uh, it's where I read all sorts of spooky, scary stories. Uh, creepypastas. There's some poems in there. Um, some novellas I'll be reading later. Uh, but yeah, go check it out. If you have any requests, go ahead and make them too, because there's all sorts of stuff I'd love to read. Yeah. Uh, my name's Jesse. I have another podcast called Creepy Critters, where I talk about cryptids in somewhat lurid ways. Um, I would appreciate if you listen to that, because uh, I do w- work for that one. I do work for this yes. one too. Like the, it's it's hard editing an audiobook when uh, when you're trying to stay consistent. It's just hard. So yeah, uh, but like you have to do full on research for creepy yeah, critters. But you know, I do I do work for it. So you know, listen to it. You know, mm-hmm. listen to monster fucker jokes and then. Appreciate that it takes what? me at least a few days worth of research to do like a page <laughs> worth of stuff. Want, if, yeah, if you want some more uh, sexy fish people jokes, yeah. go check it out. Um, we're gonna have to rope um, Fiona into watching Shape of Water. That could be a crossover. So. <laughs> yes, that's oh my god, um, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is oh my god! I just I wish forget about this. The ending thing I did that last so, uh, time too. I'm sure I'll do it at the end of a uh, uh, of the so, dream quest. This has been over Ensmith, and you are the irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keen ecstatic howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable, and the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Bye. Bye.